whole experience. So, it, for me, it's something that takes over, takes over your life, takes over your body. You can feel it in here instead of out here. I'd say the Holy Spirit is how God interacts directly with us as humans. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> how would you describe it? Well, it's just the universal energy that we're all a part of, and when you die, you go back to it. Uh, Holy Spirit, I would describe as something that you can't see necessarily or hear, but it's something you feel that you know is with you. I think that religion's a form of mental illness, actually. I wouldn't know how to describe that because I, I, don't, I don't know what it is. I've never experienced it at all. Uh, personally, I think the Holy Spirit is something that, that touches you and lets you know when something's right or when it's wrong. It's a spiritual voice that will tell you what to do, when to do it. Um, I'm an atheist. Uh, non-existent? Some sort of, um, moral intuition that you'd have. How would you describe it? Good morning, Living Hope. Good to see everybody. So for the next, uh, all this month, we're going to be uh, in this uh, series that we're calling Ghost Stories. And it's, um, it comes from, uh, if, you're, if you're new to church, you may not get the reference, but uh, the old timers, uh, you know, back in when everybody was reading the, from the King James Version, would refer to the Holy Spirit as the Holy Ghost. That was the King James terminology. So, we, so you know, there ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party. And so, uh, anyway... So, um, anyway, yeah, so it, we're, we're going to tell some ghost stories. We're going to tell some stories this, uh, this month about the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit, what is the Holy Spirit? That's, that's kind of what we're dealing with today. In, we're going to introduce to you the Holy Spirit this morning. And so uh, let me just um, kind of preface uh, this topic this morning by saying, um, depending on what background you come from. Maybe you come from no background and you're just, you're just sitting here like a sponge this morning. You're just, you're just soaking it all in. You, you don't know a whole lot about it. Maybe you come from a, a, a background that's a little more uh, conservative, a little more you know, put together, a little straight-laced, uh, you know, whatever. Um, and you know, I, I used to joke around that the churches I grew up in, you know, if you were going to raise a holy hand, you better have a holy question. Um, you know, that we, we, there wasn't very demonstrative in our worship, right? And so, um, and so maybe you come from a background like that. Maybe you come from a background that was very demonstrative in worship, you know, lots of hand raising, lots of, um, you know, shouting and, and uh, uh, you know, talks of speaking in tongues and, and, uh, and all, all kinds of stuff, jumping over seats and, and punching people and I, I don't know what, what anyway but maybe you come from I mean we, that's one of the things I love about our church is that I can never make all of you happy because you all come from totally different backgrounds and um, and so you have different ideas of what church should look like or feel like or what worship should look like or feel like and and that sort of thing so what I'm going to do I'm going to try to we'll see if I'm successful or not I'm going to try to do in this series for the Holy Spirit what I think I was able to do in the Revelation series for the Revelation, which is kind of uncrazy, this topic a little bit, all right? And so, um, you know, there's a, you're either, generally Christians are, are people who almost never 
reference the Holy Spirit, almost never talk about the Holy Spirit, love to talk about God, love to talk about Jesus, get a little hesitant when you start talking about the Holy Spirit or whatever, and, uh, and, or there are people who uh, will, will not shut up about the Holy Spirit. I mean, they just, like, everything is Holy Spirit this and Holy Spirit that, and, and, uh, and so there's, there's this kind of idea out there. Let me, let me deal with what I think is, well, first of all, I was going to pick a side, but actually I don't need to pick a side because both of those sides are unhealthy. Both of those, both of those ways of, of, of communicating about the Holy Spirit or a point of view towards the Holy Spirit, both of those are very unhealthy. Uh, you can put way too much emphasis on the Holy Spirit for reasons I'll talk to you about in just a second. Or you can completely ignore that the Holy Spirit hardly even exists, and, and, and that is just as, uh, if not more, unhealthy. And so how, what's a healthy way for us to um, talk about the Holy Spirit? What's a healthy way for us to live life in the Spirit? We're, we're called as Christians to be walking in the Spirit. And what, so what does that look like, and how do we... So let me just tell you from my own personal point. Now, by the way, next week, don't miss next week. Uh, next week is going to be a week where we're going to have a panel of people up here. And uh, I've got three or four people that are going to be up here with me that will be sharing what it looks like for them to walk in the Spirit, what it looks like for them to hear from God, that sort of thing. Okay, and so uh, because I think everybody's, <coughs> everybody's experience is just a little bit different. Pardon me. <clears throat> which is one of the things I love about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit reaches into our lives and meets us where he needs to meet, meet us. He uh, ministers to us in the way that he knows we need to be ministered to. So my experience with the Holy Spirit is going to look maybe different from your experience with the Holy Spirit or, or your experience with God. And so let me, let me just kind of clear the air here on what I think is some unhealthy uh, mysticism about the Holy Spirit. There's this idea out there that uh, in fact, many of you, when you when you talk about the Holy Spirit, oftentimes you'll, if, if you think about it, you probably refer to the Holy Spirit as it. It does this, and it does that, and it spoke to me, and it led me, and man, it just gave me goosebumps, and it 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 it, it as if the Holy Spirit is some sort of Christian version of the Force, right? Right? Like it's that idea that that it's just this powerful force that, you know, like the one guy said, and his idea was that is, you know, it's just this, it's this force in the universe. When we die, we go back to it and, you know, that sort of thing. And, and so this very mystical idea of the Holy Spirit just being this kind of power of God, um, that it, it's this kind of undescribable, indescribable force that all of us have when we start following God. And that's not the way scripture explains the Holy Spirit. Not at all. That the, the Holy Spirit is not an it. It's not a force. The Holy Spirit is a he. The Holy Spirit is a person. The, the, the Bible always refers to uh, the Holy Spirit as a person. And, and so in the same way that the Bible refers to Jesus as a person, in the same way the Bible refers to the Father as a person, the Bible also refers to the Holy Spirit as a person. Now, there's this concept in the Christian uh, world that we call the Trinity. Now, Trinity is not a word you're going to find in Scripture, but Trinity is a theological term that uh, guys much smarter than, than any of us uh, you know, spent you know, centuries kind of coming up with this idea that based on what we read of God in Scripture, He exists in this state that we call a Trinity. A Trinity means that 
Uh, God is three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but He is one God. Three distinct persons, one God. Now, if you can figure that out, write a book because uh, you will sell a billion of them, okay? Because it is, it's one of those things where if you think about it too hard, it's just going to make your head hurt. Um, and it's one of those mysteries of God, which I personally, some of you don't like mystery. You hate mystery. You hated Scooby-Doo as a kid, and, and you're not okay with the Holy Spirit and the Trinity and everything right now. You don't like mysteries. You like to have everything figured out. You want, you want a, a bullet list of things to tell, explain everything to you. And that's just not the way that God works. And really, is that the way you want your God to be? I've always said before that if I can figure out God, he's not a very big God because because I don't have a very big brain, right? Like, I, I'm not the, you know, sharpest knife in the drawer. And so if I can figure out God, then we got problems with God. And I like the fact that there is a mysterious element to God. Now, mysterious is good. Mystical, not so good. And there's a difference. When we turn God into something very mystical, uh, where God becomes this kind of magic uh, force or this magic genie in a bottle force or whatever else, and, and we start using very mystical language about God, I think that's where things start swinging unhealthy. And often, and, and nobody gets more mystical language used about him than the Holy Spirit. Like the people mystic up all the Holy Spirit and, 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 and do that sort of thing. And if you want to define who the Holy Spirit is, um, now, I'm going to spend some time this morning talking about uh, how we engage with the Holy Spirit or how the Holy Spirit engages with us. But if you want to, like, the clearest, simplest definition of who or what the Holy Spirit is, it's this. It's our first point, and it's just this simple phrase. The Holy Spirit is God. Plain and simple. The Holy Spirit is God. When you're talking about the Holy Spirit, you're talking about God. That's who the Holy Spirit is. In the same way that it's okay to refer to Jesus as God, in the same way that our Heavenly Father is God, the Holy Spirit is God. He's not some mystical power at work in you. He's not anything like He is simply God. And it's just God's way of, of uh, the Holy Spirit is just God's way of, of walking with us in our life. And so, so there's the Holy Spirit, in other words, is God's way of choosing not to separate himself from us when he absolutely could be this kind of God Zeus-like figure on high with, that's very disconnected to his creation. Instead, he chooses to walk with us and, and move within us uh, and have a relationship with us. The Holy Spirit is God. In the same way that God used um, uh, the person of Jesus Christ, Jesus the Christ, to um, manifest himself in human flesh and walk amongst us God in the flesh, in the same way he manifests himself in the spirit so that he walks with us 2,000 years later after Christ left this world and went back to uh, his heavenly kingdom. The Holy Spirit is God. Now, the script, there's a, a great little scripture that, that kind of references this indirectly. In, in the book of Acts, 
chapter 5. The book of Acts is basically the, the story of how, after Jesus finished up his ministry, how the church grew and how the church was started and all that stuff. And so there's a story in, in Acts chapter 5 where all the people are in the church are kind of uh, living together in one community. They're sharing everything. They're buying uh, or they're selling property and giving it to the church and all this kind of stuff. And, and so there was a couple in the church that sold a piece of land and gave the proceeds of that land to the church, and, and it was a really great thing. And there was another couple that saw that and saw the attention that they got and decided, hey, we're going to do that too. We're going to sell a piece of land and give it to the church. Only they didn't. They sold the land and they kept back a lot of it for themselves, right? And so they kind of told a lie, right? And so this is what happens uh, kind of after that. Peter uh, is, uh, approaches the husband in that couple, uh, verse 3 of, of chapter 5. He says, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? And, and again, the, the, the sin here is not that Ananias didn't give everything. The sin here is that he lied and said that he was going to give everything, and he didn't, right? So why, why did Satan fill your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? And then later on, at the end of verse 4, he says, Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You've not lied to man, but to God. So here he, he equates lying to the Holy Spirit with lying to God, that God, the Holy Spirit, is God. Okay, and so that's where we are. That's where that's where I want us to, to kind of establish this. The Holy Spirit is not something other than God. It's not some sort of outpouring force of God. The Holy Spirit, plain and simple, is God. And so you can call Him the Holy Spirit. You can call Him God. That's perfectly okay because He is God. Okay, now. What I want to spend the rest of our time today doing is talking a little bit about how the Holy Spirit moves in the life of the believer. Now, the way the, first of all, the Holy Spirit has been present since the beginning of time. If you go back to Genesis chapter 1, in the very first, uh, very first couple of verses, there's a reference to the Holy Spirit there. In the, in the very beginning of creation, the Spirit hovered over the waters uh, you know, in, in creation. The Holy Spirit was there active in creation, Okay. And, um, and so he, the, the Holy Spirit is not some brand new New Testament thing. The Holy Spirit has always been present uh, since the beginning of time. And when you read through the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was present in a lot of those stories. But the way it kind of worked was that um, God would um, uh, kind of temporarily and occasionally empower people with the Holy Spirit to accomplish the work that he wanted them to accomplish. And so you read uh, uh, stories of, of Moses and other people being empowered by the Holy Spirit to go do what God needed them to go do. He emboldens them. He encourages them. He makes them, uh, helps them to believe that they can do what God has tasked them to do, and, and they, they go with God. They go with the Holy Spirit. But it's a temporary thing. It's a temporary kind of pouring into a person that God would do all throughout the, the Old Testament, right? People who believed in God back in the Old Testament times didn't have the continual presence of the Holy Spirit in their life. It was something that once in a while when God needed them, needed them to accomplish something for his purposes, he would empower them to do that and, and he would pour his Holy Spirit into them, okay? Now, that said, you get to the New Testament, you get to Jesus. Jesus comes in, he changes everything. He does this whole Jesus revolution and everything. And he tells um, the people, he tells his followers that you know, he's going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to send a, what he calls a comforter 
who is going to be with them to guide them. He tells them, you'll, because of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, you'll be able to accomplish even greater things than I accomplished. And, and, and so that's what he promises. And then in the book of Acts, right from the beginning in chapter 2, we see this, uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit. We're going to read some of those passages in just a little bit. But the Holy Spirit comes, and now the way things work is that in the life of the believer, in the life of the person who has placed their faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells in us continually so that we no longer need to go, as they did in the Old Testament, we no longer need to go to a temple, to a place in the temple called the Holy of Holies where the Spirit of God would dwell. Instead, we are that temple and the Spirit of God dwells in us. All right, does that make sense? Maybe, maybe not. But that's the way it is, whether it makes sense or not, okay? So, so that's just the way it is. So the Holy Spirit, if, you're, if, you, if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells continually in you. You have God in you. That's great. That's good news. That, that's, that's, that's good stuff right there, right? I can, I can go home feeling good about that today. So with the Holy Spirit, God, in us, um, what can we expect I mean, because I think some of us have, because all this mystical language has been used, and, and, and I even think we have to be careful about some of the songs that we sing, uh, because a, a, lot of the, a lot of kind of um, worship, and not just modern worship, if you go back to some of the old hymns, they're, they're just as guilty of it too. There's something about that happens in, in the singing of music, where a lot of times, uh, I think maybe in music, more poetic language is used, and, and a lot of times that lends itself to this uh, kind of mysticism that maybe is unnecessary in our talk about the Holy Spirit. We're just simply talking about God, okay? So how, what can we expect as, as followers of Jesus Christ, what, how can we expect the Holy Spirit to move in us and to, like, what, what's that relationship going to be like if I've got the Holy Spirit in me when I accept Jesus? And by the way, throughout Scripture, we see that's, that's what happens when a believer submits themselves to Jesus Christ and they, they, they begin that walk of faith, uh, you are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. You don't have to wait for some sort of second movement of the Spirit. You don't have to wait for some sort of physical sign that you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Congratulations. If, if, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, congratulations, you've got God in you, okay? That's the way that works. So what, what, can, we, what can we reasonably expect? Now I'm going to go through a list here of what you can expect, the whole, how the Holy Spirit will engage you in your life. And um, I, could, I, I could have and probably should have, if I'm honest with you, um, used scripture references for each one of these because I want to make sure that when I explain the Holy Spirit to you, what I'm explain, explaining is backed up by scripture. I didn't want our message today to go an extra 30 minutes long, so I didn't do that. I'm just going to give you a list, but I, this is what I'll do for you. I promise all of these things come from scripture, and I'll list all those scripture references on Facebook uh, at a later time, or if you, use, if you go look at the podcast in the notes of the podcast, I'll list all those scripture references so you can look that up on your own. Uh, but I, I, and, and I would encourage you to do that, okay? So this is what you expect. This is what the Bible tells us how, how the whole, and this is not an exhaustive list. This is, this is probably even just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, but this is how you can expect the Holy Spirit to engage you in your life. So the Holy Spirit does this. The Holy Spirit helps us tell people about Jesus. Holy Spirit, who here has ever had an opportunity to tell someone about Jesus and you just clammed up, you, you, didn't, you didn't know what to say, you got nervous? You, anybody? Anybody? Yeah, three of us? Good. Okay, so um, yeah, yeah, I think that's a pretty common thing for, you know, even if you are a longtime Christian at times, uh, when given the opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus, 
nerves can get you, fear can creep in, ego can creep in, all kinds of stuff. And, 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 and this is what the, one of the most beautiful things that the Holy Spirit does for us is the Holy Spirit gives us the words if we ask him for the words. I can't tell you how many times I've sat across from a person talking about Jesus and, and, and hearing them tell me their story of either their life or maybe some sort of failed uh, attempt at a relationship with God or whatever, and just sat there going, I don't, I, don't know to, I don't know how to respond to this. And in my head, while I'm listening to them, I'm just going, uh, Jesus, I need, I, need you to, I need you to help me. I need you to help me in this. God, I need you to give me the words uh, so that I can respond. And I'm sitting there, and I'm sitting there, and I'm sitting there. And maybe it's that desire to help that person. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit giving me what he needs to give me but I'll hear something, I'll pick up on something from that person, and then suddenly it's like, okay, now I know how to respond. And I'll fumble through it the best I can, but I've got to respond. And the Holy Spirit gives us this boldness to tell people about Jesus. There's this great story, again, in the book of Acts, when right in the beginning of, of, of uh, the, the brand new church, uh, a couple of the apostles have been arrested for sharing their faith. And they beat them, and they kick them out of prison, and they send them back. And instead of going back to the church and the other leaders of the church and going, we got to lay low. Instead of doing that, this is what they did. They gathered together, and they prayed, and they prayed that God would give them even more boldness. Even more boldness. And the, and the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit moved while they were praying to the point that the earth was shaken, right? Really, really great, cool story. The Holy Spirit will give us that boldness. He will give us the words to speak when, when, when we need them, when we don't have them on our own. And, and, and that's good news because really what people don't want is your advice. <laughs> they could care less about your advice. If they know you're a follower of Jesus Christ, they're coming because they're hoping to hear from Jesus, not because they're hoping to hear from you, which is, that's good. All right, the other thing the Holy Spirit does is this. The Holy Spirit's our comforter, our advisor, our encourager, and our strength. He's our comforter, our advisor, our encourager, and our strength. The Holy Spirit just walks with us throughout our life. He's just there. He's present with us. He keeps us encouraged. He keeps us advised on what the... I can't... I've said this before a billion different times, but the thing I pray for more than any other thing is wisdom. I pray for wisdom constantly. And I cannot tell you how many times the Holy Spirit has stepped in and, and, and helped me make wise choices or give wise counsel that could not have come from dumb old Jeff, right? Like, like it, uh, he, he has this habit of kind of pushing me out of the way and going, I got this, stand back, just let me do this, right? Because I, I, <laughs> I, am, I am the epitome of the uh, fiery uh, redhead, Right? And I've got that temper, and I, I'm going to tell you, let, let's just, I'm going to get honest with you guys more. Some of you guys tick me off. Some of you guys just tick me off. Sometimes, sometimes you do something, and I'm just like, ah, oh, oh, i gotta, I got to have a talk with that person. And I'm gonna, man, I, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm, I'm on, driving on my way to a meeting with you or whatever, and, I'm, and in my mind I'm going, man, I'm going to tell them this, and I'm going to tell them this, and I'm going to tell them this. I'm just going to let them have it, right? And then something happens between that moment and then getting face-to-face with you where the Holy Spirit goes, Seriously, you seriously need to get out of the way and let me do this, right? And I find myself sitting across from you speaking instead with wisdom and with love and compassion and with forgiveness that the Holy Spirit replaces my spirit and gives me what I need to be, not just a good pastor, but a decent person, right? A good follower of Jesus Christ. 
I'm sure a lot of you could say the same thing. The Holy Spirit also convicts of sin and helps us die to sin. This is a really critical thing. Now, a lot of people will, will use this aspect of the Holy Spirit to say, the Holy Spirit is the same as my conscience, all right? Now, the problem with that is that it's just not true. Not, the Holy Spirit is not your conscience because your conscience can be shaped by all kinds of different things. Your conscience can be shaped by society. Your conscience can be shaped by your raising, by your parents. Your conscience can be shaped by all kinds of things. And so, so you, like somebody who is a, a, a devout member of the KKK has a whole different conscience about things than maybe what the Holy Spirit would have them to do, right? Can we agree on that? And so your, our conscience is not necessarily to be trusted because it is just us kind of doing what we feel is the right thing to do or what is the appropriate thing to do. The Holy Spirit is different. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. And there have been times that my conscience has told me that certain sins I was engaging in are okay. There should be nothing wrong with that. But the Holy Spirit has this way of kind of coming back to me and going, I need to point the scripture out to you. Like I, I, I need to show you where it says in God's word that, that that's, not, that's actually not okay. And even if you feel like it's okay, you need to live a life submitted to the Word of God, right? So the Holy Spirit tra- actually transcends conscience and, and gives us something else. It is constantly working us, not only to convict us of sin, but to help us die to sin. And so the Holy Spirit does this work in our life. God does this work in our life where He helps us turn away from sin and into something better, into something more... Uh, and a, to a behavior that's more God-honoring and God-like, right? So that's what the Holy Spirit does when it comes to sin. The Holy Spirit does this. The Holy Spirit gives us the spirit of adoption and confirms in our spirits that we are God's children. This is awesome. This is awesome. Is anybody, would anybody raise your hand and admit that occasionally you wonder if you're even a part of the family of God? Like occasionally doubt creeps in your head where it's like, I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know if I belong to God, right? That sort of thing. And, and one of the beautiful things that the Holy Spirit does, he gives us the spirit of adoption, that we are the children of God adopted by him. And what that means is that not only are we his children, but he chose us to be his children. Beautiful. If anybody's ever walked alongside a couple or a person who, who went through the process of adoption, you know it's one of the most beautiful things to, to, to witness. It's, it's incredible to see someone who had no family be chosen by another person and adopted into that family. It's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And the Holy Spirit reminds us that, you know what? God's choosing of you is not based on you and whether or not you can be a good boy or a good girl. God's choosing of you is based on the fact that he loves you and he wants you to be a part of his family. The Holy Spirit does this too. He gives us new life, hope, and freedom. The Holy Spirit gives us new life. He is, he, is, he is not just in the business, again, for the billionth different time, uh, he's not just in, in the business of trying to make us better versions of ourselves. He is taking dead people and making them alive. He gives us new life. New life. He gives us hope when there is no hope. That's why our, our whole uh, mission statement as a church is glory to God, hope to people. We want to be a church that's about the business of 
reminding people that feel hopeless that there is hope to be had, and it's found in Jesus Christ. Amen? He gives us freedom. He gives us this sense of freedom that we don't have to be uh, in bondage to our mistakes. We don't have to be in bondage to our sin, that we can live free knowing that our sin, all of our failures and all of our disappointments, they're covered under the blood of Jesus Christ. They've been bought and they've been paid for. That account has been settled and it has been erased. And so you can keep trying to bring your debt to you. It's like, and this is what so many of us do. We, our, our debt to God, our sin debt to God has been canceled by Jesus Christ. It's been totally forgiven. And so many of us pick up that debt and keep scooping it up and bringing it to God and going, yeah, but I, I did this and I owe you this. And, I, da, 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 da. and God is like, I don't know what you're talking about. It's gone. It's forgiven. And there's freedom in it. Do you know, do you, I, I, I hope you get if you don't get it, I'm going to pray that you get it, and I, and I want you to pray that you get it too, but I hope you get the freedom that is in that. Because it's not just me looking back on my past sins going, thank God he forgave me for all that garbage, all that stuff that I did and those mistakes. It's not just that. It's also me looking forward going, everything I'm going to do is also forgiven as well. Do you know, do you know the kind of freedom that knows that even when I make a mistake, even when I sin against God, that I don't have to walk in guilt and shame because it's just been taken care of. I've been forgiven. I've been forgiven. That's, that's man, you're not going to hear better news than that all day long. That's good stuff. All right? So the other thing the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts. And we're going to spend a whole Sunday talking about this in a few weeks. Uh, and so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But basically what the Holy Spirit does is he, he, he empowers us with certain spiritual gifts uh, that help us to accomplish the work that he has planned for us, the work in, in, within the larger body of Christ. And so that's why he gives, he doesn't give you, get this in your head, this is important. He doesn't give you spiritual gifts because he wants to give you some sort of Jesus superpower. He gives you spiritual gifts because he wants us to be a strong church. There's a difference, man. If, when, you, when you change your thinking around that and get the, the significance of that, that is huge that is powerful your gift as awesome as it may be is not for you it's for all of us because when we walk in the power of the holy spirit and we do those things that he has gifted us empowered us to do and and there's a wide range of things there's there's teaching and preaching and leadership there's there's the gifts of gifts of help and hospitality there's there's all kinds of different gifts that, that we'll go through a list of them in a few weeks but but all kinds of different gifts that people have that the Holy Spirit gives them. And sometimes it lends into what your natural giftedness, your natural abilities are. And sometimes it goes against that. You guys have heard me talk over and over about how I, I am not a compassionate person. I am not. It's, I, you are so blessed to have a church that has a whole separate counseling ministry apart from your pastor. Because I am not, you will come to me for counseling and I will listen to you. And I love you. I care about you and everything. But when I hear what you're going through and you're like, I'm doing this and, and, I, and, and, and my response is going to be, yeah, stop doing that. Are, are we done here? I don't know what else you want from me. Stop doing that, right? And, and so, I mean, that's just the way I think. That's just the way God hardwired me. It's, it's a super big blessing to my family. <laughs> and so, so like, like but, but here's the thing. Even though that's the way I'm, 
hardwired to just be that not strong compassion, just kind of real logical, you know, you're doing this thing, it's hurting you, so stop doing that type of guy. Um, over and over and over, God has gifted me with compassion to where I am compassionate towards some of you in ways I'm like, ooh, that had to be Jesus because that's not me, right? That's not me, right? And so sometimes that giftedness works against our natural abilities and, it's, and it feels more even supernatural, you know, that sort of thing. But, but anyway, so that's, that, that's giftedness. He gives us these gifts. Why? So that we can build up the body of Christ and so that we can be a stronger body of believers. That's why he gives us spiritual gifts. The other thing, and this is the last thing I'm going to hit today, is that the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. <coughs> Pardon me. Sanctifies us. Let, let me stop right there. That, that word sanctified is a, uh, is a churchy word that you may not understand what it means, but uh, to be sanctified basically means to be perfected. Okay? And it's not this moment in time where it's like, okay, I'm, I believe in Jesus, so praise God, I'm perfect. That's not what sanctification looks like right? <laughs> Instead, <laughs> sanctification is this lifelong process that we go through that will never be realized on this side of the kingdom, but eventually we will see perfection on the other side of the kingdom, okay? But what happens is in the meantime, now don't just go like, uh, you know, I'm lousy until I get to, the, uh, get to heaven. That's not what we're saying. That instead, what the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit spends this time working on you uh, you know, kind of uh, breaking away hard, uh, uh, you know, uh, sinful areas of your life and sinful attitudes in, in your heart and that sort of thing. He does this transforming process of making you resemble Jesus. And, it, and it's, not a, it's not an overnight thing. It takes time. It takes a lifetime. It takes a lifetime. And to where eventually you'll get to, like, I'm not a perfect guy. I'm totally not a perfect guy. I know that comes as a shock, but I'm not a perfect guy. But this is what I can tell you. I'm a little more perfect than I was 20 years ago. A little, a little bit, right? And that's good news. I'll take that, right? And so I'm heading towards some, something, someone who looks and resembles and acts and behaves a little bit more like Jesus, okay? And that's the process of sanctification. So back to the statement. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us so that we live in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, this is what the Bible refers to as the fruits of the Holy Spirit. In other words, if you're walking, if you're doing life with the Holy Spirit, with God living inside of you, that he's going to do that sanctifying work in you so that where you were once an unloving person, you'll be a loving person. Where that you were once a, 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 a person who was just down all the time, you'll find a joy that, that's indescribable. Where you were once a person who was constantly contentious, constantly uh, high drama, you'll become a more peaceful person, on and on and on down the list, that he does this work of changing us to look, again, something more like Jesus Christ. All right? Now, that's, that, that's kind of the short list of what you can expect as, as somebody who's got God living inside of them. Now, what I want to do now is I, I want to I read to you a couple passages from the beginning of Acts that really are probably the most famous passages about the Holy Spirit because I think they, they tell us one more really, really important thing about the Holy Spirit. Uh, and there's a lot. Again, I, I could have given a three-day lecture on the Holy Spirit. Uh, I just want to kind of give you the, the, the uh, you know, 30-minute overview, and I'm already going long. All right, so we'll start the first chapter of the book of Acts, verse 8. Jesus is getting ready to ascend back to the Father, and he says this. He says, but you'll receive power. He's talking to the apostles. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. 
Say that with me. You'll receive what? Power. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so Jesus kind of lays out this mission. He's like, the Holy Spirit's going to empower you. And, you're, and it's kind of these concentric circles that he starts talking about. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and then even further in all Judea and even further and then Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. So he's kind of laying out mission for them, right? And so in, in the second chapter of Acts, we get uh, in verses 1 through 4, it says this, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Talking about all the followers of Jesus Christ. There was about 120 of them, we're told, that were gathered together. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them. In other words, little, little flames, little little. Just little, little Bic lighter flames or something like that, right? Just a little tongue of fire. Uh, and suddenly there, uh, uh, divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay, so let me, let me break down what just happened here. The Holy Spirit comes like a mighty rushing wind. I mean, Jesus promised that he was going to come. It was, an, it was evident. It needed to be evident what was happening. And so God made it evident. And so he comes with wind and he comes with fire. And, and, and it's just this powerful, powerful moment, right? And then they begin to speak in these other tongues. Now, this is not, in this particular passage, this is not the gift of tongues that maybe a lot of you have heard about that we will talk about in a few weeks. So, so hang on for that, okay? So this is not what this is. They, they had 120 people gathered in this room, and they were there at a hol- in a holiday season. Lots of visitors from other countries had, had come in. And so you have people from all different countries. And what happened was that they were able to speak in, in their own native languages and understand each other. They were able to understand all these foreign languages. And it's like, wow, what is happening, right? So that's what's going on. Now, what happens next is they've got the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter takes off out of the house, and he goes down and starts preaching. Now, this is, this is Peter. This is Peter who was um, a bit of a blunderhead in, in previous chapters that we had read of him in, in the Gospels. This is Peter who, who, who was just like uh, constantly stumbling over himself, was fearful to be um, uh, known as somebody who followed Jesus and went hiding, uh, you know, that sort of thing, this, that, that Peter. And now he's empowered, emboldened by the Holy Spirit, and he preaches this amazing sermon. And you can read the whole sermon there in, in that chapter. But towards the end of, of uh, chapter 2, verse 37, it says this. Now, when they heard, talking about the people who were listening to his sermon. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then the Bible tells us there in that passage that so those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. So the Bible in one sermon, or I mean the church in one sermon, goes from 120 to 3,120, right? That's, can we all admit that's a pretty powerful movement of God? That's a pretty powerful movement of God, right? And so that's the point I want to bring out as we we close out this morning, that the Spirit leads our mission, and powerfully so. The Spirit leads our mission to go out into Dixon, into Solano County, into California, and the uttermost parts of the world. He leads that mission. He's the general for us on that mission. He's in complete 
control of that mission, sending us out where he knows we need to be sent out. And it's not just him, him sending us out simply as sheep among wolves. He sends us out in the power of God, the Holy Spirit, God living in us. And he, you know who wants our mission to succeed even more than us? God. God does. And so we don't have to walk out in this spirit of fear or timidness or self-doubt. Instead, we walk out in a spirit of strength and a spirit of power because we know where God has sent us, he will also equip us, he will also provide for us, and he will provide the victory. He will provide the victory. He will move in the hearts and minds of people in ways that you couldn't even dream of moving, but he'll use you to do it in the process. And God is awesome that way. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. And we're going to talk about how, what it looks like to walk in the Spirit, what it looks like to, to walk as a church in the Spirit, what it looks like to walk as a family in the Spirit, what it looks like to, to get those spiritual gifts and that sort of thing. We're, we're going to talk through all of that over the next several weeks. And so come back and listen to more about this. But the Holy Spirit is God, plain and simple, living in us. All right, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your word to us today. We thank you so much that you didn't just fling us out in the universe and leave us to fend for ourselves, but you chose to make your home in us, in us. And so help us to walk with you. Help us to stay close to you. Help us to um, pour into our relationship with you so much that uh, the sound of your voice is easily recognizable in our life. We love you. Thank you for doing the hard work of taking us and uh, making us uh, something worth loving, making us resemble Jesus. Thank you. And so, God, as we work on our mission that you've set us on to transform this world into something that looks like your kingdom, we just pray for your power. We pray for your favor. We pray that you would increase our circles of influence and make us more effective in that mission. And uh, we pray that you would give us the ability to obey you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.